It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right. Uh, hello again, everybody. Patrick Johnson here with you. Thanks for being with us on uh, the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game and the uh, IBX Media app. We're streaming live at 94.3thegame.com, our uh, video platforms and uh, all of that. Uh, great to have you uh, along with us uh, today. Jim Zoki coming up in a uh, little bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the playoffs, but also all the comings and goings in the NFL. Uh, if uh, uh, with uh, Jim, a lot of uh, news today with Bill Belichick. Uh, it has uh, been reported officially parting ways with the uh, uh, New England Patriots. No surprise there. Uh, you know, no surprise there. Uh, and. Uh, you know, I, I think now the big question is who will emerge as the uh, next coach uh, in uh, in New England. That'll be the big uh, question. All right, uh, we've also got uh, Dimitri Ravano. Speaking of retirements, uh, while we were on the air yesterday, it broke that uh, Nick Saban has uh, decided to retire as the head coach of Alabama. They're saying in Alabama they'll have a new coach within a 72-hour window. Uh, that's what their AD is saying. So uh, we'll see, see if that uh, does occur. But uh, we will talk to Dimitri Ravanos, who uh, is an Alabama alum, but also has uh, covered the program and uh, saying all along that Nick Saban was going to retire. So Dimitri coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, let's get right into today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, East Carolina with a huge win last night in uh, Philadelphia against Temple, uh, a game in which uh, they got no breaks with the officiating. Uh, they made a couple more threes to Temple. Temple was uh, the top three-point team in the AAC and makes a heavy volume three-point shooting team. Pirates, I thought, did a good job guarding them on the perimeter. Uh, and uh, ECU got 20 from R.J. Felton, 18 from Ezra Zar, and then a uh, near double-double from Brandon Johnson of 15 points and uh, nine rebounds. Backcourt, I thought, played well, nine for Cam Hayes last night. So uh, the Pirates with a big victory despite going out to Philadelphia a night early because of uh, the inclement weather Tuesday, and they uh, did not let that disrupt their focus. Good to get there a couple days and uh, be locked in. So ECU will return home to take on SMU, a team that is coming off a three-point loss to Memphis last Sunday. SMU has not played until they play the Pirates on Saturday. That's a 4 o'clock uh, time from, uh, tip time from uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. We'll have the uh, game for you here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT at uh, 3.30 with the airtime coverage in the 402 tip. Darren Vaught, Coach Michael Perry. I'll be on the air with uh, Cy Seymour on uh the uh, um, the uh, ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus. No, I'm looking at that because I'm just getting a bunch of texts that we're off the air. Oh. Just lost you off air. Yeah. Okay. So I'll look into that. 
Yeah, I was getting a bunch of texts. That's what I was looking at, and then I've just got a couple more that's come in. So uh, we'll continue on because I assume we're uh, streaming, and I'll assume we're uh, uh, we're doing all that with our video platforms and, and all of that still. So if you're with us there, hang in. Uh, but as far as uh, radio, we'll check and make sure we're uh, on the air and uh, and broadcasting on our biggest uh, platform, which is uh, over the airwaves on 94.3. So check that out, Pilk, and let me know uh, what you find out. Are you able to play the uh, the cuts as we go along and do that simultaneously, or should we go ahead and get a break maybe? Uh, let's play cuts because everything looks good on okay. my end, so it sounds like it's something i got to text the high-ups about. Gotcha. All right, well, let's start with Coach Swartz, uh, who thought his team was very efficient against Temple in Philly last night. I feel like when you when you play defense, uh, I really feel like your defense can help your offense, whether it's off of stops and, and turnovers and running or just being able to string stops together uh, and then get down and whether we're in transition. What I thought we really did well on offense tonight, and, and Coach was talking about it before, is I thought we executed very well. I thought we executed our sets. I thought the guys were very precise with doing it. You know, I thought we uh, turned the ball over you know, 10 times, and I thought, you know, I think we could have been less than that even. Yeah. I really do. I think some of our turnovers were careless turnovers. We could have been in single digits. But all that being said, you know, and, and obviously shooting the basketball well. Now Cam Hayes starts making some threes, and, you know, RJ and Brandon, and uh, it, it, it does a lot for your team when you start. And I thought Ezra was really efficient as a basketball player tonight, always passing, driving, free throws. He, I thought he did a great job. All right, uh, more from uh, Coach uh, Swartz. Talked about it was huge to get a first-ever win at Temple. Huge. Uh, we just talked about this in the locker room, and it's kind of like levels. Program-wise, first time ever to win in Philadelphia at Temple yep. in the history of, of ECU basketball. Um, or at least that's what the Temple guys said to me. Yeah, that's 0, 0 and 7 prior to Okay, the that's what they said on the broadcast when they <laughs> after the game. Um, so... That's number one. Number two, you're talking about a conference win, period. Now a conference road win. So I think you look at all those levels, they're all so important. But I think as much as anything, the preparation and the mindset of this team today, tonight, on a little bit of an uh, adversity-thrown trip in terms of 48 hours, I thought was really strong. I thought that that was good. And so to win, whether this game was here or this game was in Greenville or this game was somewhere else, I thought the approach of the team and the, the concentration of the team was really strong, and I, and I think we can build on it. All right, more from uh, Mike Swartz, who uh, talked about the next step for Ezra Zar is to limit turnovers. He's fouled six times. Yep. Okay. And he has four turnovers, and he is very well capable of playing a game with, with one turnover. And he, he can do it, and he will do it. And that is potentially three more possessions of him either at the rim or getting fouled again. And that is huge. I mean, just if you think about three possessions on a total, and he took eight field goal attempts, I mean, that's almost 50% more possessions. If he's up to 11 now, or, or he's even got, instead of six free throws, he goes six for six, he gets 10 free throws, huge difference. I mean, though, that's where it's such a fine line always in sports, but in conference play, it, it's it's even exacerbated. All right, we are uh, back on radio. Thank you all for the text messages. About a dozen of them uh, started rolling in, so uh, we appreciate that. Back on radio now. We're in the midst of our pirate report, uh, and this is uh, Mike Swartz talking about the importance of rebounding when facing a team that shoots it from deep like Temple does. 
we knew it was going to be really difficult to block this team out. Any time a team is going to shoot this many threes, and, and we knew it was coming, those long rebounds are much harder than just, hey, block out. Like, right. it, there's a lot more to it. Right. There's, there's a nose for the ball. There's going. There's, there's reading it off the, gla- off the, off the rim or the backboard, whatever it may be. And I thought our guys did a good job of that because them re- rebounds aren't going to happen in the charge circle off of threes. Yeah. So the balls are going to be long shots, long rebounds. And so those are very hard because they bounce out. And they got a couple, and they had ten offensive rebounds. You know, I want to say we only had two, which is not – I'm not real pleased with that. But if you shoot 54%, you know, okay. you're going to have less offensive right. rebounds. And tonight was a night, quite frankly, the defensive glass where we needed our defense, our rebounding numbers. We needed them high on the defensive side. And – Brandon gets eight, uh, Ezra gets six, RJ gets five, Cam Hayes gets four. We needed defensive rebounds, or he gets three defensive rebounds, four total. We needed defensive rebounds tonight. All right, and uh, Coach Schwartz says uh, coaches believe defense leads to offense. Players, the exact opposite. Coaches believe defense creates offense. Players yep. believe offense creates defense. <laughs> so, so balls going in, they they get to another level on defense. Oh, yeah. Coaches see the the defense playing well. We say, well, it's the offense. Yeah. That, that's going to benefit from the defense. But that's like Mike said, that's in all sports. All right, Ezra Azar with 18 points. Nice performance for him against uh, Temple in Philly. He says uh, he was excited that the team got the win. Feel good, you know. Um, you know, got my confidence back. Feeling good. You know, we made history. I heard making yeah. the first row or row, yeah, row win. So I'm excited for me. First and the one team. here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm excited for me and the team. All right, so uh, Ezra says. Uh, this is how the team can build off their first road win. Road wins is always the toughest. You know, that, that's a, I think to me that's a common fact for, you know, everybody in our opinion. Um, you know, these type of games is how you respond to adversity instead of reacting. So I think, you know, this type of road win it prepares us for other road wins. You know, of course, when home game, the confidence because we home, but we always got to prepare ourselves the correct way when it comes to home games and just concentrate and stay focused. And Ezra Zar talks about the uh, guidance of Coach Swartz and the staff. To me, that you know, just practice. That comes with just staying disciplined and trusting the coaching staff. And you know, honestly, he gave us the freedom, so we trust him, and we're just gonna keep being disciplined and listening to him. Cause I mean, ain't no better guidance than y'all co- than the coach just giving you guidance. So, all right, uh, that is today's pirate report as ECU gets the win over uh, Temple in Philly. We will, and they're now uh, two and one in the league. They're going for their third straight conference win, and. Uh, it's never happened in the American. The last time it happened was when they were members of Conference USA a decade ago. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, uh, we will have Jim Zoki. We'll talk NFL playoffs. We'll also talk about the uh, Belichick announcement from earlier today. No longer is the six-time Super Bowl winning uh, head coach coaching the uh, New England Patriots. So, uh, Zoki on that. Dimitri Ravanos on the retirement of Nick Saban. All of that still to come on the Thursday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Ow! Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, thanking a bunch of people. We had uh, a lot of people uh, text us, tell us we weren't on the air, or text me. So thank you all for that. Uh, but we're back now, and uh, we are back uh, on all of our platforms and stayed with all of those, in fact. All right, Jim Zoki with us uh, here. Panthers Radio Network, the season came to a uh, 
difficult nine nothing end uh, in end I should say for the uh, Panthers and uh, the Zoke man joins us uh, here. Jim, how are you? I'm good. Are you sure we're on the air? I'm I'm guessing we are. Pilk, are we good? Dan Miller says we are, so I trust him. <laughs> Dangerous Dan Miller. Well, I got a do- the dozens of people who text me that we were uh, off uh, text me. Most of them did back and said, you're on now. You're on. And I said, the just in time for Zoki. The question was, were they enjoying the show more or less when it was off the air? I think they probably were enjoying it more. Uh, I think we uh, they probably would have enjoyed it when it was uh, it was uh, it was off. Um, yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, Scott Fitterer out. Uh, I yeah. guess no surprise. And uh, what will come first? Will this be done the correct way, where you get the GM and then the coach, or is the coach going to be hired and be uh, into an arranged marriage with the GM? How do you foresee this shaking out, Zoe? Thank you for saying it that way, because that's what I've been saying. It's like, to me, I think you should hire the GM first and have him have a large say. I know they're going to do some kind of, you know, where everyone has a say in it. But I I think you should have the GM be part of that, because it's an important hire. And that should be the hierarchy of how it goes. But uh, I don't know. That's a great question. They've been, you know, they put out that list of people they asked to talk to. doesn't mean they'll talk to all of them, but they've asked to speak with, you know, like nine different Coaching candidates, eight different GM candidates, whatever the case is. So, anyways, they're kind of doing a little bit of both. But yeah, I would like to see that's that's I'm, that's the old school way that I am about it, is that you have the GM when when you're doing both. I mean, obviously, sometimes you have a GM already, or you got a coach already, just changing right, one or the other. Right. But when you're starting from scratch, I agree with you. I would start with that. I would say beyond that, the personnel, the players are the problem more than the coaching because. I mean, let's be honest, Frank Reich had successes before he came here. We didn't win a Super sure. Bowl, but he went to the playoffs a couple times. And, um, you know, I had, had, was well thought of in this league as a coach. They didn't, clearly they didn't have much of a change once they made the firing. And, you know, you mentioned with, uh, the last couple games having, uh, the, the change no of play calling made, made no difference, made no difference with the offense. Um, what would you say, you know, we talk about what are they, what would you look for in a head coach? What would you look for at this point in 2024 as a GM? What, what, what are you, what are you looking for at a GM? You know, the thing about being a GM is, you know, I, to be, I think one of the under, underrated things, um, talked about maybe outside of, you know, people and personnel is, is fit. I mean, you always do this, you know, here's a list of players and here's the combine and this guy ran this 40 and this guy lifted this much and this guy stats or that. You know, what fits what you do? You know, if you're a 3-4 defense or you're a 4-3 defense, what kind of, you're a downhill running team or you're a vertical passing team? You know, so I, I think you have to fit players to what you do. And a great example of that is, you know, you know, you know I know Philip follows the Panthers pretty closely. Someone like Jeremy Chin two years ago was an exceptional player and just seemed like this young rising star. And he was completely a non-factor uh, personnel-wise with what was going on right now. With this team now, this defense did a lot of good things last year in terms of yardage and things like that, but not a lot of takeaways. You know, Jeremy Chin was a young, rising, talented player, second round pick, and, um, and now doesn't even seem to have a role in this current defense. So I think fit matters as much as anything when it comes to picking personnel and, you know, not just obviously always trying to pick good players, but good players that fit what the coach and what the scheme is. We're talking uh, with uh, Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. We were going to bring him on this week to talk about the uh, 
the playoffs, but it's more hot stove that's uh, going on in the uh, NFL offseason. Uh, announced earlier today what we all expected, Jim Bell, uh, uh, Bill Belichick not going to be uh, back in New England. So uh, no surprise there. Maybe surprised it took this uh, long for it to kind of go down. Um, what is the Belichick legacy? Because it is, with all its successes, a little star-crossed in some ways. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument, and again, you know, I think we all know how much of an impact Tom Brady had on those championships, but you can make the argument as far as his record goes um, and his accomplishments. But, you know, we may have seen the best ever NFL coach and the best ever college coach, both uh, on the move in the last 12 hours of what's going on with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. And, of course, you know, many people know, oddly enough, we're on the same coaching staff in Cleveland at one point when uh, – you had Nick as uh, Bill's uh, defensive coordinator with the Browns. But, you know, Belichick was in uh, nine Super Bowls, won six, and he's second on the all-time wins list, only behind Don Shula. So, I mean, that that matters. And I don't, don't, I don't get the impression he's done. I think, you know, immediately, you know, teams are already you know, jumping into the news, like, you know, Washington, the Chargers, some other teams, maybe the Falcons will be interested um, at least in interviewing him. I don't know if there'll be an interview here or not, but I, I think he'll probably land elsewhere. But I think right. um, obviously you got to respect the record and what he's done has been amazing over a long time with New England. I was talking to somebody today. What do you think of Vegas? He's he's got a fascination with Garoppolo more than the ladies in some ways. <laughs> well, Jimmy G doesn't do that great on the field. But he seems to do okay with some of the ladies. Um, yes, but I think he does. Um, I don't. I don't know about that whole situation. It's just I don't know. It's still up in the air. I don't, that's a little bit. Yes, yeah, an interesting how a wild card possibility. But I know from like even before he was like, go Washington has been the thing uh, that's been talked about the most. Doesn't mean that'll happen or that they'll reach an accord or whatever. But that's been the one that's kind of kind of been the forefront. So to me, probably Commanders first. I think the Chargers job is going to be interesting to a lot of folks like Ben Johnson and him and whoever. Because you inherit Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler right, and right. all the great talent they have that you yeah. got SoFi Stadium in LA, so it's an exciting place to be playing. Like Las Vegas is obviously as well, uh, but I think um, I think those are probably more likely opportunities. I've not really heard him connected with anything with Vegas. Why is Atlanta? Why would Atlanta be uh, something that would make sense? I mean, look at their roster. That's a team that's got talent, and they just have not. You know, figured out quarterback, quarterback, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was surprised this past year when they just kind of rolled with, with what they had. I just was uh, Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. I just thought they would have a better option. And I think a lot of folks were surprised as good as B. John Robinson turned out to be, you know, in terms of prioritizing that that's the route they went was, was running back. So, I mean, he's a great player, no doubt about it. But in some other way, then, they needed to resolve quarterback. Um, and I'm just surprised that's what they went with last year. Because it was another year of wasting, you know, Kyle Pitts, wasting, you know, Drake London, a lot of the good offensive weapons they have. They need a quarterback, and they need a coach that will utilize them the right way. Uh, there also was the uh, jettisoning, jettisoning from the sideline to the front office for Pete Carroll. This seems like it was a bit of a forced-hand move. Do you foresee Pete Carroll coaching again at any point, or is he just going to be happy to ride off into the sunset into the uh, front office. Well, he was talking uh, on Monday that he was going to be coaching the Seattle Seahawks. So it's clearly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> clearly sounded like it was forced. <laughs> and I 
And I felt like that was just kind of like, you know, we don't want to fire him. We're just going to give him a job with a desk upstairs, and uh, we would never fire Pete Carroll. It would be like Milton in office space. He's going to be looking for a stapler and moving around the office. I kept passing the cake. I didn't get any cake. And so um, (laughs) Pete, you know, he's been very successful out there. He just went nine and eight this year. I mean, if he was in the NFC South, gosh, he would have won a championship. Uh, So it's just uh, bad luck to be in the division he's in. But he's had a great run there, 14 years. Nobody's won more games in Seattle, won a Super Bowl out there, got to another one. So, I mean, he's he's done very well. He's 72. Uh, I think, I can't remember who tweeted this, uh, like, the, yesterday, I guess. They said, you know, Pete Carroll at age 72 has his entire political career in front of him, uh, because that's people for his kids. They don't even start till they're 72. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. I do think he would yeah, want to yeah. coach again. I don't, again, when you take him on, you know, you're probably getting someone for not the longest tenure. So it has to be the right situation, or would that even be a college situation like Herm Edwards did a couple of years ago? So possible, but uh, I think he wants to coach again, and, um, I don't know if it'll happen for him or not at this point, though. How about Pete Carroll in Carolina? I don't think so. I think they would want okay. something. I think, you know, with Bryce Young, I think they're thinking, you know, something long term. I just don't know that that would be the right fit for here. I think Pete Carroll is more like, to me, I would think is like that Phil Jackson kind of thing, like bringing the guy that can work with veteran guys and a team that's ready, close to go with veteran players and established teams. So, I don't, I don't feel like that would, I mean, we're an expansion team, let's face it. So I don't think he would be like the expansion team guy that you'd want to bring. You know, someone's going to be here for, for a long haul, you would hope. Yeah. All right. Jim Zoki with us here. Uh, quickly, I just want to get to a few of these playoff games. Give us a winner. If, uh, feel like it, why? But if not, if you do give us a why, make it brief. Uh, Browns and Texans <laughs> on Saturday at 430. <laughs> You're a Browns fan. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know you got other things to do. We can't be messing around with this all day. Um, so yeah, I think, um, yeah, I got to go with the Browns, of course. So they, they're playing the Texas team, which is very good. And CJ Stroud has just been outstanding for them. And of course, they're so dinged up. They've lost so many players for injuries on both sides of these teams. I think I even saw today Denzel Ward got injured in practice for the Browns today. So mm-hmm. we'll see if he plays or not. But both Houston and Cleveland, you know, limping in as far as, you know, their rosters at this point of the season. But, I will get, you know, Joe Flacco with that savvy experience, getting Amari Cooper back and healthy for this one. I will briefly say the, the Browns at, at, uh, at this point, even though it's a road game, I'll take them to win. All right. Uh, on the Peacock, uh, Dolphins and Chiefs Saturday night. I, I had a check. I wasn't sure. We don't have Peacock at our house, so I won't, I won't be watching that. In fact, I couldn't mm. anyway. We're going to see uh, Nate Bergazzi on Saturday night in Charlotte. Oh, so are you that. really? Good for you. Yeah. I've only seen him on. I've only seen him like, yeah, on Netflix and that kind of stuff. But he, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him live. We're doing uh, that Saturday. So I won't see any of Dolphins Chiefs. Um, I just feel like the Kansas City's going to figure it out. They're going to crack the code. They're just they're too talented. I know they don't have the receiver talent they've had in past years, but you would just think with Mahomes and Kelsey and that defense should be enough. But I feel like the Dolphins have been kind of sluggish uh, down the stretch right here. So I'm going to go to Kansas City, even though I'll never yeah. see this game. And they have Taylor Swift as well. By the way, uh, Bergazzi, uh, do you have do you have good seats for this? You have because I, I mean, it's in wife, Charlotte. That's your town. Or do you guys the, the buy wife, them? Yeah, the wife the wife bought the tickets. I don't even know. We're going with a, oh. uh, some other couples. So we're, okay. I don't know. I don't know. When it's I, not when a big I venue. Andre's... I don't think where he's going. Oh, okay. It's not like the arena. Okay, I got you. It's All not right. like a, yeah, uh, it's not like a stadium thing, though. No. 
Okay. Stay, uh, Steelers Bills Sunday at one. Uh, Buffalo. I, I still, and bless his heart, he's right here in Rock Hill. I, I still don't know how this uh, Mason Rudolph thing's playing now, but uh, they're three and zero. They put him in. A, I kind of felt like nothing else works. Well, let's give Mason a try. It's been two years. Let's see if he's figured anything out. Uh, so that's he, he has that's on some level out there. Yeah, and obviously losing Watt is huge for Pittsburgh too. But yeah, Buffalo's again talent wise overall at home. I think they should actually not have much trouble with Pittsburgh in this one. Uh, Packers-Cowboys uh, will be uh, subject to that in the 4.30 window, of course, because of the uh, names involved. And uh, I'm thinking Dallas at home, no problem. I do, too. I just feel like Green Bay's defense, um, you know, the Panthers' one game where we scored points was against Green Bay. So imagine what Dak Prescott and <laughs> Dallas could do. They might put up 100 mm. points. So, yeah, I'll go with the Cowboys uh, to win that one. Sunday night Rams-Lines, I think, is going to be fun and interesting. This is actually my favorite game of the weekend. I mean, just the storylines with the quarterbacks. You know, Matt Stafford having to go back to Detroit. Jared Goff with a giant potato chip on his shoulder for this one. I think it's just a, it's a fascinating matchup. And the Rams, you know, people wrote them off. And they they classic team. No first-round picks. They show you they could be done, draft well. Uh, and their roster is loaded with guys they got in, in later rounds. So I think they could even go in and win that game. Uh, but I do think Detroit, uh, at home, this is their year to at least win a playoff game do something after it's been so long for them. So i got to believe they at least get one playoff win out of this postseason. Monday night, Eagles-Bucks in Tampa. I'm not putting it past the realm of possibility the Bucks win. Oh, no, you should. I think the Eagles are the worst team in these playoffs. This feels like a play-in game, actually. It doesn't feel like a playoff game. Yeah. It feels like a play-in game. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it's weird because, you know, six, like, like Thanksgiving or whatever, the Eagles looked like the Eagles, but they have just fallen completely off the, 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 the road here. And, you know, Tampa Bay was, was playing well. I mean, they, they've won, I think, five of their last six. So heading into this, so I think they could do just enough. Their defense is good. Baker Mayfield, as long as he doesn't make mistakes, um, keep it. They got talent. We know that. Mike Evans, we saw it. Chris Godwin. I think they played the Panther game low-key just to try to know that they didn't have to do much to win the game. But I, I think right. when needed, they can come up with the, with the big plays with Evans and Godwin and uh, Rashad White's great running back. So I, I, I think I, I'm going to say the same thing. I think Tampa Bay is going to win that game. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks. There he goes, WBT Hall of Famer. Our pal Jim Zoki. Let's go to Philip the Ref Pilkington now, the 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update. And then Dimitri Rivanos will join us on the uh, retirement of Nick Saban. Thanks, P-Man. Starting in Pirate Athletics last night, the men's basketball team defeated Temple 73-62 to for the first ever program win at the house. Huge. Uh, we just talked about this in the locker room, and it's kind of like levels. Program-wise, first time ever to win in Philadelphia at Temple yep. in the history of, of ECU basketball. Unfortunately, the women fell to a B-74-63. to That is their first conference loss of the season. 24 seasons and six Super Bowl victories for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. However, those two parties have parted ways earlier today since Tom Brady left the team. Following the 2019 season, Belichick was just 29-38 and 38 with one playoff appearance. Marvin Harrison Jr. has declared for the NFL draft. He is the top-rated wide receiver prospect. And it was announced today that the Carolina Panthers will have a home game in Munich in 2024. In December of 21, the Panthers were granted marketing rights in Germany. They'll do it for 94 through the Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. Dimitri Ravanos on the retirement of Nick Saban. 
You yes. ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's a P-Man. Yesterday we got the news that Nick Saban is calling it a career on the sidelines at Alabama, and uh, this is the prediction made by our great friend Dimitri Rivanos. He made that prediction in Barrett Sports Media that uh, Saban is headed for college game day. We'll get into all of that, but here he is, Don Now in his Bama apparel, Dimitri Rivanos, a true graduate of the University of Alabama. He didn't play D3 golf and then transfer in his final semester. No, Dimitri died in the wool, Crimson Tide. Hello, my uh, friend. Just, for the people watching on video, there is my uh, diploma uh-huh. right there. I see it, yep. That's four years right there, at that, least, well, maybe a little yeah, longer. I was, I was about to say, four and a half, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll, this is the other perspective about Dimitri. He is not some Johnny-come-lately while they're winning national titles, Alabama fan. Dimitri's been a fan since day one. Yeah, It was his birthright. And Dimitri uh, sat through and suffered through some of the poopiest football. Can I say that? Poopiest football. Yeah. Uh, that uh, the Crimson Tide program ever had. An eight-year-old Dimitri Ravanis very much understood why people were throwing bricks through uh, Bill Curry's <laughs> windshield. And a 21-year-old Dimitri Ravanis was thinking, man, I wish we had Bill Curry back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed there the Saban some... era in Tuscaloosa by four years. Uh, so if you'd been a doctor, you could have gotten there and been for part of it or gone back for a degree or something. You'd have... That's right. That's right. But, but you've been able to enjoy it, I think, more as a fan uh, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a complete 180 from when I was in school there, and we had four coaches in a four-year span. Uh, you know, I was there for the um, – I mean, the end of Mike Dubose, I think, is like, what, two of his four years, right? So I was there for the end of Mike Dubose, Dennis Franchoni, the, the glorious Mike Price run. Um, and, <laughs> and then my, uh, my last semester in school there was when Mike Shula, uh, had become the head coach. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I got very used to the phrase, well, Shreveport is lovely at the holidays. I guess the independent <laughs> isn't so bad. <laughs> you know, um, that, that's the thing I think is most interesting about this. Saban came, it wasn't like he came in and was keeping it rolling. He had to yeah. get it rolling. And, Yes, it is Alabama, and yes, there is tradition and pageantry and support, but he had to get it rolling. And the thing I think is most impressive about Nick Saban, in my mind, Dimitri, is uh, he is adjusted to the ever-changing face of college football and just rolls with it. Uh, maybe privately he complains about it. Maybe he you know, throws out little uh, slights about it in the media, but he, he doesn't. He's not pining for the for you know the, the program's not frozen in amber in any way under Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. and see, I, I want to tie those two things together because I think it's really important. The program was frozen in amber when he got there, and Alabama fans know the tip of the spear speech, and it was basically him coming in, uh, getting in front of all of these boosters who were at war with each other over who can, was going to control the program. And he told them that when you, you know, go into battle, you want nothing in front of the tip of the spear. If we are uh, going to get back to where we think this program should be, nobody can control this program but me. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was coming in with national championship and NFL credentials and people fell in line. 
with all of the change that we are seeing now in college football, I think he is less bothered by the player empowerment of the transfer portal and more mm-hmm. bothered by NIL. Because as long as the NCAA wants to keep up this charade that schools cannot pay athletes, uh, you know, the boosters are going to have some level of control of your roster. And I know he hates that. Um, I think that those two things are tied together. That's how the ball got rolling with the Saban dynasty. And I think it played a big role in why it came to an end. Um, were you surprised? Well, you weren't surprised because you, you felt this was going to happen. Does the timing of it maybe surprise you a little bit? The only thing that surprised me, I, I was actually talking to a friend from college who had asked me just last week, well, at what point are you willing to say you were wrong and he's not retiring? And I said that I thought we were going to get through signing day before he announced his retirement. But, you know, I, I wonder if he knew, but watching the title game, he just realized there was no sense in, in waiting on this. Um, you know, I, 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 the only thing that surprised me was my reaction, which was going very quickly from disappointed to gratitude. Uh, and, yeah. and I think you see that reflected, uh, in a lot of people down, you know, in the state or people with Alabama ties. The lovely and talented Dimitri Ruvanos, Young Guns podcast, available wherever you download your favorite podcast, plus uh, writer for Barrett Sports Media, and he's written about this extensively as far as Saban going on to a media career. Before we delve into that and we delve into who could replace Nick Saban, uh, well, we kind of go there now. I think he would have waited till maybe after the second signing day period if there were a logical slam dunk internal candidate. And it I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there really doesn't seem to be right now, does there? No, and in fact, that's a good point. Like, the the fact that Kevin Steele retired as the defensive coordinator, who, by the way, was never uh, in line to replace him, but um, that is a decision now that has to be made that he wasn't going to make. Maybe that sped things up as well. Uh, Tommy Reese is 31. Tommy Reese is not a particularly accomplished offensive coordinator, I don't think that there was ever a thought that he was being groomed to be the next head coach. I did think it was possible that if he was going to hire a defensive coordinator, I thought it was very possible that they hire Glenn Schumann from uh, Georgia. He is a Bama alum. He started his career as a GA for Nick Saban. I thought it was very possible that you groom him for a year uh, and make him the next head coach. But uh, look, there are going to be plenty of guys with Alabama ties, with Nick Saban ties specifically, that mm-hmm. are mentioned. I, I don't think anybody really knows uh, who is at the top of the list except for Greg Byrne, the athletic director. But they said in 72 hours they ha- they plan to have somebody. Yeah, and, and that has a lot of people connecting the dots that, you know, Kalen DeBoer has had this extension on his desk at Washington for a month that he hasn't signed. And look, DeBoer is an awesome Coach, and I think that he, if he were to bring Ryan Grubb along, his offensive coordinator, that would cure a lot of the uh, decommits that you are inevitably going to see. That being said, the board doesn't have any connection to the South, and that's not a killer, but it is something you have to consider these days. I I, I don't think guys from Alabama are going to be decommitting to go to somebody's uh, cruddy seven and five uh, program. Tell this, gonna be tell lying. this kid from Sarah Land named Ryan Williams, a five-star receiver that decommitted last night, and now the hot talk is he is headed to Auburn. That is that is literally decommitted ah, to go to a cruddy 75 ah, team. Well, I was thinking more well, along the lines of 
you know, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, somebody in the uh, CUSA or uh, the American sure. even. But, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, Dimitri Ravanos is with us here. Uh, the list. Look, I was in Clemson a few times this year doing games. Uh, I, 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 Dabo's great with the media. I mean, you know, I know is you, he? you, well, he, he's great. He was great to me. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, he's been great to me the, the, the two times yeah. I've talked to him. Right. Um, I mean, he was awesome to me and talked to me on the sideline like he and I had, I've been covering him for years. Yeah. And, uh, now I think a part, a lot of it is you and I are not idiots and we know what to ask and, and how right. to ask it, you know, and we, we're paying attention, but, um, you know, I, I, there's this chord with Dabo there, Death Valley for some reason. And, um, it, that would seem like the timing might be good to get out. Black eye and all. Um, Patrick, you know, if, if they hire, I know Dabo you don't want Sweeney, it. You I don't want vomit. it. I will come on this yeah. show and make myself vomit. I, I okay. listen, I'm going to give you my most toxic Bama guy opinion. Okay. His speech to Tyler about gratitude over expectation right, was the most loser Auburn bullcrap I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> How on earth is he going to survive in Tuscaloosa? Now, right. Don't get me wrong. Like, I've never been a big Dabo guy as a coach. The, the, the insistence that his way is right and the inability to adapt has always bothered me, but that sealed the deal that this dude is just not serious. Uh, as a head coach, he, and I'm not, I'm not knocking what he has accomplished. Even if you are the type right. of person that wants to make the argument that, you know, playing in the ACC benefited him fine. He does still have two national championships. I'm not going to take that away from him. But he can't do that at Alabama. He he just can't. Like he would be laughed out of town. Uh Kirby Smart. Oh, Patrick Johnson be still my beating heart. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not gonna happen. I mean, it would be it would be great. I, I would love for Greg Byrne to even begin this process by going to Kirby and asking, is there a dollar amount? I, I don't think he's even going to do that because I do think it would be a waste of his time. Like you got to remember, Kirby is from South Georgia. Kirby is a Georgia alum. This has been his dream to build what he's building at Georgia. He doesn't have to go to Alabama. He has Alabama. It just happens to be in Athens, Georgia right now. If there is a former Saban coordinator that I think would be a home run, and is attainable. I think it's Steve Sarkeesian. Now the I was about to ask you about him. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that he is on the offensive side of the ball. What Saban is to defense, like he is just as good as the game plan is. The adjustments are even better. Uh, but here's the thing: Alabama can go to Steve Sarkeesian uh, and say, "Steve, just tell us the number, and that is what you will make." And, you know, Texas could come back with a blank check and a space shuttle. Like, it's it's going to be a big <laughs> war that would be very hard to win, even for Alabama. Right. Okay. So those three various uh, reasons why not. Um, who do, who else is – I mean, it can't be a coordinator, Dimitri, can it? You can't no. place a coordinator into that situation. No, I, I, I've thought about that a lot. Coach Prime? Um, what about Coach Prime? If Prime would get serious about just being the CEO and letting the coordinators coordinate and not overreact to game-by-game -game performance, I think he'd be great. I think he'd be great as a recruiter. He doesn't have – like if you, but if you hire Coach Prime tomorrow, the fan base is going to revolt. 
Um, I think Dan Lanning at Oregon, if Alabama can get past the $20 million buyout, is everything the fans want. I think Kalen DeBoer. Do you really think so? I do. I think DeBoer is more impressive than he is. I think DeBoer is more impressive, but Lanning is 37, former member of Saban's staff, former member of Kirby's staff, has deep, deep, deep SEC ties. Like, I, I think. That matters, and by the way, has been much more successful on the recruiting trail than DeBoer. Okay. I think DeBoer yeah. would be awesome. I, I just don't think it's going to be him. Uh, I've heard Marcus Freeman's name at Notre Dame uh, thrown around a lot in the last 24 hours. I don't see it, but it's it's creative, that's for sure. Um, as much as James Franklin has failed to close the deal at Penn State, I think there are a lot of people – that remember what he did at Vanderbilt and very easily could convince themselves with Alabama's resources right. he could right. get over that hump. The most interesting name that I Lane heard Giffen? thrown out Lane with Giffen? some credibility, Lane's not built for that job. Lane, Lane is yeah. a lot like Dabo in the sense that he is going right. to crumble under the pressure. Uh, it'd okay. be fun. It'd be fun for three <laughs> years, but it would be right back here. Um the most interesting name I've heard thrown out with some credibility, and it seems like a long shot, but I can't dismiss it, would be D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of the Houston Texans, former Bama player, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. I think that the reason I think it is such a long shot is he does not have college aspirations. Even to go back uh, to his alma mater, he grew up just a few miles away in Meridian, Mississippi, so it would be going home. His entire coaching career has been in the NFL there's a very good chance he's going to win coach of the year this year. He is already back home in a sense with the team that drafted him. It's a, it's a cool idea. I, I don't see it happening though. Well, he's got a great quarterback. I mean, he's got, they're set up for success uh, in, in right. Houston for a while right. now. So, and, and honestly, that's why I think he could be successful at Alabama, never having had college experience. Cause what yeah. did he, I mean, think about that quarterback. What did he do? He figured out what that guy did best and let his offensive coordinator design an offense around it rather than insisting that this is the way we are going to play offense. He's he's adaptable. Like I said, I think it's an awesome idea. Uh, obviously, it would be the first black head coach in Alabama history and also a former player with a, a lot of belts on the wall. Like, I think that would excite people. It's not going to happen. Dimitri Urvanos, all right, D, uh, when you look at Nick Saban's future, what is it? Uh, I, I really do think he's headed to college game day. It is a discussion that he had over 10 years ago with ESPN, and by by the way, both sides walked away knowing that it was not going to happen right away. But he did have a meeting with ESPN in 2013 and zeroed in on the idea uh, that college game day would be a great fit for him when his coaching days are over. Look, game day's at a crossroads right now. Um, for, for people that don't follow the industry, Lee Fitting, who was the creative genius behind that, uh, this past season was the first without him, and the show felt... Yeah, it was a tough Way, watch. Wayward, yeah. yeah. Um, I Obviously, ESPN and uh, Pat McAfee have some issues right now. Um, right. I, I think that McAfee will be back, though. Lee Corso, I think, has earned the right to leave when he wants to, but that doesn't mean you have to have three hours of Lee Corso on TV. Uh, Nick Saban just bought a $17 million mansion uh, in uh, the West Palm Beach area, St. Jupiter Island. It happens to be pretty close to the West Palm Beach Airport. It has a lot of direct flights. I don't think that's a mistake. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he'd be great on there. Anytime he's, he's been on always TV, been great he's been on fantastic. There. Yeah. I, I heard right. Reese Davis was on with Paul Feinbaum yesterday and said uh, that there have only been two years that Alabama was not playing in the national championship game, that he was not part of game day. 
and that is not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, what is the legacy? I mean, it, it's 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 obvious. Positive, yes. In many ways. But, you know, when you go drill down on what he did there, turning around the program and, and attaining national champ, what, what is the legacy all told, Yeah, both on that local Alabama level, but then in the game, in your opinion? I think on the local Alabama level, this was a dude that transcended everything. Race, politics, you name it. Like Nick Saban was a guy. He made you feel one way or the other, but everybody respected him. And everybody saw Alabama for what it could be, not what it was. Nick Saban proved that Bear Bryant was not a, you know, it wasn't a Bobby Bowden at Florida State situation where this is about the right. dude, not right. the program. A lot of guys have won championships at Alabama, but outside of Bear and Wallace Wade, it had been guys with one championship, right? And Nick mm-hmm. Saban showed that the resources are here. Uh, the passion is here. This program is serious. They just need the idiots to get out of their own way. Um, you know, I grew up down in Mobile and my dad had a really nice restaurant and it was a place where a lot of the uh, Alabama boosters from that part of the state would come in to eat and show off how wealthy they were, right? And my dad would always take care <laughs> right. of them in exchange for tickets, or at least would do that about once a year. Right. And so one year, um, you know, I'm introduced to one of these guys as, you know, my son's a student at the University of Alabama. Right. And this oh, happened hi. to be when, oh, hi. This happened. Uh, <laughs> this happened to be a time when Alabama was going through a coaching search. And, you know, this person and I were engaging, just talking about the candidates and everything. And this guy said to me, and you may have to know a little bit about Alabama to understand this, that, okay. you know, it's it's going to be a matter of who gets to make this decision, Mobile or Birmingham, meaning, you know, which faction of boosters. And right. what you have to understand about both is there's money in both. In Birmingham, mm-hmm. it's a lot of medical field money. Right. In Mobile, yeah. it's a lot of inherited money, mainly from the timber industry, <laughs> right? And right, this guy yeah. said to me, it's going to come down to who gets to make this decision, Mobile or Birmingham. And he looks around as if he's about to say the most racist thing in the world and instead says, <laughs> you know, Dr. Money ain't timber money. And <laughs> like that was, that was the booster core in a nutshell before Nick Saban got there. That's pretty good. What a line. Doctor <laughs> money ain't timber money. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, great That's the stuff kind of insight I bring to this show. It is. Well, and I knew we had to get you on, uh, as soon as, uh, this was announced yesterday. Hey, appreciate it very much. And, uh, we'll look forward to seeing who the no code, depending on who they hire, we, we may get you back on for a little, uh, reflux. Yeah, uh, in more ways than one, depending on who they hire. There have been, yeah, <laughs> very good point. There have been two people in my lifetime at Alabama that have made me feel the kind of joy that I have in the last 17 years. One of them, obviously, is Nick Saban. The other is Sean Alexander, who senior season was my freshman year there. Um, I mean, I'm 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 happy for Nick. I'm sad as a fan. I, I really am. Like it's it's the end of something really special beyond just the championships. Hey, Dimitri, thanks a lot. Hey, Patrick Johnson, thank you a lot. There he goes, Dimitri Ravanos. Good stuff. Uh, great show today. Enjoyed Zoki being on. He was fantastic. Dimitri, of course, is always great. Philip, good show, buddy. What do you think? I think it was fun. I wish we had a little more time with Zoki. I was going to ask him about going to Germany this year. Didn't get to talk to him about that. Maybe we'll have him on you next know, week. 
Yeah, I think we'll get Zocon next week. Makes sense. And he's good, so we'll get him on next week. How about that? All right, uh, back tomorrow, 10 o'clock, special time. Brian Moll will be with us. We're working on uh, some other guests. But uh, we'll talk college basketball and uh, preview the ECUS debut game tomorrow. Uh, we've got a book today. Christy over to Johnson is going to be with us in the studio on Monday. Uh, all right, see you in the morning. I'm talking to town. Seven life's challenges head on, and just like we protect our quarterback, the team at East Coast Agency is here to protect what matters most to you. We're talking about those game-changing moments off the field, your home, your trusty ride, or your business. So, if you're searching for a team that's got your back, look no further.